Welcome again to the Prime Mover Podcast, where we ignite the engine of your success in faith, family, finance, and fitness. Join us as we explore the power of being a prime mover in both your professional and personal life. Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of the Prime Mover Podcast. We are super excited. This is probably going to be our last episode uh, without guests. We uh, we put a call out there for guests and we wanted uh, top level entrepreneurs, prime movers, uh, speakers, motivational coaches, and we probably have what, about 15 Yeah, I think uh, high right level now, guests? About 15 right now that have already uh, come to the website, signed up, and awesome. pretty exciting. So, uh, yeah, Prime Mover Podcast. I'll uh, start off by talking about what a Prime Mover is. Prime Mover is a person, place, or thing that creates energy, creates motion, and gets the ball rolling. So if Prime Mover defines your personality, go to our website, uh, primemoverpodcast.com, fill out the, um, the form. It'll ask you for a headshot, some of your topics that you like to speak about, and we would be thrilled to have you on. So primemoverpodcast.com. That's what a prime mover is to us. And I got a few topics I want to hit today on uh, on our show. But yeah, episode two, December 29th, 23. And we are excited for what January is going to bring in 24. Yeah, 24 is going to be an awesome time. And uh, just looking forward to the podcast. Looking forward to kind of the few business opportunities that we have yes. uh, presented. And so uh, we're super excited. Excited, excited to share the journey with you all. Uh, Again, we, we decided to establish this podcast to use it as a, a obviously an advertising medium for uh, Gen Gators, but as prime movers, we have our hands in a few other things. Uh, Gen X marketing is, is getting off the ground now and management. We have several proposals out. And so, uh, you know, we'll be unpacking those things along, along the way with you guys and uh, just want to speak about business and life and how to, how to, how to balance everything and uh, speaking to you from in the game rather than uh, through through uh, theory. Um, we're going to speak the truth. So Yeah, sure. We get rolling, man. I'm, uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit today about um, something we're building here. Uh, it's a, a tip for service companies of, of any shape and size uh, would be the five R's of service. And so, uh, you know, where this comes from is, you know, a, a little bit of history on, on how we build the service department here. Um, oil and gas business for 17 uh, to 18 plus years. And in that process, uh, what happens in the oil and gas industry, and I've seen it for so long, is um, the clients are a moving target. Or should I say, uh, the level of satisfaction or client fulfillment, it's a moving target. The oil field is predicated on fossil fuels. It's a global driven economy, a globally driven industry. A lot of politics involved with what drives oil and gas industry and leases and whatnot. So if you've ever done any type of research in oil and gas or if you've worked in it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But with that said, you know, there are times when a business is going really well in the oil field and, um, you know, the driver is um, the driver is financials. The driver is the best price for a job. The driver is uh, how fast can you go? Can you finish the job ahead of everybody? and also what's the quality of your work. And so that brings in a, um, a mantra that we've used a lot over the 20 years is cheap, fast, and good. 
uh, you can only pick two. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, I like just just go ahead and you know we could break that up. Uh, cheap and fast, probably going to lose quality. You know, cheap and good, uh, probably going to lose some speed. And uh, and fast and good, man, that's not going to be cheap. So that's going to be expensive. Sorry, <laughs> it gets expensive. So. So yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the five R's of service, something that we built here recently uh, on the heels of, you know, a client dissatisfaction story. Um, it happens, you know, as much as we aim to push for five-star reviews and stuff like that, uh, not only does Google and the world and the internet suppress them, you know, it's, it takes a lot nowadays to, to please a client. Uh, the justification of that for us as we've done it in the oil field for so long and hit a moving target, we felt like for so long, that coming into the home services business, uh, it would be a little easier target because we could build some rapport with the clients. Yeah, the rapport with the clients is um, actually one of the five R's. Uh, but rapport matters because uh, unlike the oil field, I mean, you're, you're dealing with something that's near and dear to that person. That's their home. That's, yep. that's where they live. That's their their sanctuary. You yeah, know? And, you deal, and, and the fact of the matter is you're dealing with the check writer. Yep. These are the people who's writing the check. It's not a supervisor. Not a boss, not a, a, a project manager. They're writing the check. You're in their yard. You're in their home. And when they write you that check for a new generator, a new installation, or electrical or HVAC, you know, uh, I can promise you that they are, are monitoring their value. Sure, it's right out of their own checkbook. That's right. That's right. Even the CFO uses somebody else's account. <laughs> that's a fact. So yeah, that's, that's awesome parts of the home services business uh, that we've learned so far. But building systems. You know, Nick talks about it a lot in our, in our office is a standard operating procedure is not just a written procedure. It's a standard in, in which we operate that just also happens to be written and recorded in our company uh, handbook. Yeah, you definitely want to, uh, we try to differentiate between the actual operation, actually following the procedure and having it written. Uh, if you ask a couple people around here, they'll tell you, I, I say things like we could write on the walls, we can get it tattooed on your leg, but uh, if you don't actually do them, if you don't yeah. work through that operation, yep. it's useless. Absolutely. We, we can have stacks and stacks of books and binders. And ironically, that, that actually was a realization to me in my early years as a manager. Uh, we used to have these supervisors that came around mm -hmm. and it was critique your work, man. Like, you're not doing this, you're not doing this, you're not doing this. And so being a cocky young guy, I'm like, that's great. I know what's wrong. Why don't you tell me how to fix it? Yeah. And then the guy said, not a problem. Follow me. Yeah. See these 12 binders? Why don't you read them and use them and follow them? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that really stuck to me throughout my entire career. It's worked for companies like McDonald's. Yeah. And so it's proven. Um, so but we, when you do it in a, in a small business, um, employees don't want to see, don't want to hear how much you know. They want to see how much you do. They want to see you live out uh, not only core values, but standard operating procedures. And so that's where, we, where we, we're going to go into core values after we go over the five R's. So without further ado, uh, we got a drum roll on that board. I don't have a drum roll on the board. I can do it on a symbol. Yeah, how about an applause? There we go. Yeah, About yeah. to do it. Here five comes the five R's. Yeah, five R's of service. So the five R's of service is we're going to respond, we're going to report, we're going to repair, we're going to replace, and we're going to build rapport. And, uh, you know, I have some notes recorded on those and we're, we'll be getting them printed out here. But when we really uh, lean in and sell this to our employees and, you you know, everything, you know, people can talk about how, you know, sales is even uh, can be used in an HR uh, position. Sure. You, you know, you're in an HR department and you think I'm the, furthest, I'm the furthest person away from being in sales. 
The fact of the matter is, is that you're selling policies to employees every single day. You're right. selling the way they should do their time. You're selling the insurance policy over to these employees. So you're Behavior selling. standards. That's right. So you are selling the core values of the business at, at every level. And so the five hours of service can be applied to almost any part of the business. We begin service when something is broken. So as the HR person, as the service manager, as the CEO, the COO, all the way down to the janitor, when something is out of order, we gotta be ready to respond. I think uh, being first, being maniacal, being intentional, immediately finding the pain point, processing that information at a rapid rate of speed, instilling a comforting message into the client and during that response, uh, scheduling them immediately, dispatching quickly, um, arriving with a sense of urgency, troubleshooting thoroughly, planning professionally, and inform emphatically. That to me is response in a nutshell. Yeah, I think just it, it, that how you respond actually gives your level of professionalism. In my 100%, 100%. In my home, you know, we talk about it a lot. Like I got teenage daughters. You got teenage daughters, so you know what what language I'm about to speak. You know, every now and then, I'll if I text my, one of my daughters and it's something like, uh, you know, hey babe, uh, be careful on your way home. Uh, you know, we just got all the dishes put up, and uh, you're the only one that cooks. So I'd appreciate it if you'd wash those dishes mm -hmm. in the sink. I don't get a response. Right. But when when uh, I said, hey, we're going to dinner tonight. Uh, you know, get dressed up. Blah blah blah. I get an immediate response. So, hey, that's a teenage kid. So I'm trying to teach him to be a pro. Like, hey, dad, I don't think I should have to wash the dishes. Or, yes, sir, I'll get it done. Uh, I, I'm, so, I'm so big on response. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to even try to instill it in my teenage kids who don't value response near as much as I do for yeah. sure. And even like with the Gen Gators, uh, that's a core value. That's just the response yeah. and how we respond to things. Um, how quickly you do it, like Travis said. I mean, there's just... Um, imagine if you are a doctor or an oncologist, a cancer doctor, and you don't have a good response. And I'm not talking about like your patients call you or you don't even give them the diagnosis or you don't reply to tests. I mean, there's just things like yeah. it would blow your mind to say, hey, man, my doctor didn't even call me back with my tests. Yeah. That, that would at every level, at every level of leadership. Let's talk about earthly leadership from the president of the United States all the way down to, you know, the lowest guy on the corporate ladder or private ladder or, or public ladder or uh, political ladder. You know, the higher you go up, the more people expect you to respond. Right. You know, if you look at our country right now, uh, our, our executive uh, branch leadership doesn't respond very well. I don't think that's a political statement. I think that's a factual statement. I think as American citizens, we would much rather a maniacal level of response from our commander-in-chief and, and that executive branch. But you know what? Um, that's a product of policies and procedures and voting and whatnot that maybe not every U.S. citizen has full control over. So we have some division and we'd like to see some response. So on every level, uh, the janitor responding to a spilt uh, drink in a, in a restaurant or the commander-in-chief of the United States responding to a a threat or an economic recession or a crash or an allegation, it's super valuable. Uh, I don't believe there's anybody uh, that doesn't value response. They just may not think of it that way. Sure, yeah. I think that's what happens. People don't really understand that 
the response is, um, I mean, that's what it takes for business. Right? That's what if you forward, never yeah. respond to anyone, if customers call you, you never call them back. If customers, you know. That's actually um, a real thing. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. Like, so, so and so, they don't answer their phone. I'm like, huh? man. So let's move on. So uh, we got respond, we got report. Um, so when you arrive, we are looking for clear and concise communication. We want you to notify the team immediately. If it's a warranty situation, notify the manufacturer promptly with details, planning, and outlining the repairs. Warn the manufacturer of intent to rectify or replace. When you are speaking to a manufacturer on behalf of a client, I want everybody to hear me clearly now. And so if a manufacturer hear this, hears this and you want to talk about it, pick up the phone, give us a call. As a dealer, when we sell product to a home service client, especially if they're a maintenance contract holder, I don't care what it is, air conditioning, heater, furnace, plumbing, electrical, power generation, whatever. If they trust you enough to not only buy, but also contract you for a service, is there a warranty issue? Immediately warn the manufacturer of your intent to rectify or replace. Be bold. Speak on behalf of the client. Keep all parties abreast of model number, serial number, hours, location. Details, 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 details. When I say report, it is only second to response, but it, the devil is in the details. The profit is in the details. What matters is in the details. So when we do reporting, when we're, we're talking about the five R's of effective service, it is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, especially when it comes down to manufacturers and warranties, and I don't want to beat them up, no, but I, I want, I want the, them, for any manufacturers that are listening, I mean, this is part of your brand. Yeah. When, when um, a dealer reports a warranty issue, and because you can have the best warranty, you can have a 50-year warranty on your product, but if you don't respond, and you don't, if you don't respond as a manufacturer to our reports, then you, you're actually hurting the brand and, and our company's reputation. And that's a, um, I don't know if some manufacturers look at it that way. I don't know if they uh, view it that way. And so if you're producing a good, you know, if you're um, being able to just report it's communication keys, but also to have that response and then to report. Um, so that, that is a big, that's a big deal for us in terms of, just making sure we know the details, communicating with our manufacturers, let them know that, hey, this is going on, this is happening. Mm -hmm. And then just think of it from a team perspective, reporting back to the office. I mean, right. letting letting your the boss, your supervisor, know what's going on, know what you're doing. Um, again, that goes back, I think, speaks to professionalism. If I can let my Absolutely. supervisor know, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is what I've done, this is this is what I see, yeah. I think that's a... Yeah, that's a great way to operate any home service business. Yeah, any business in general. Uh, you know, I think what we will always uh, talk about here is, man, you're my eyes and ears in the field. Uh, you're my corporate backbone out in the field. So when I'm talking about to manufacturers or speaking to the manufacturer, you're speaking on behalf of the client. So being bold, being concise, being accurate, being a pro is going to matter when it comes to uh, reporting warranties. The next part, uh, we got respond, report, we have repair. 
we are going to make every attempt to follow factory protocol unless the brand is in jeopardy. You know, he spoke to that a second ago. We want to protect the brand. If that means replacing a unit uh, because our repair schedule, our format, our availability on material is going to jeopardize the client's use of, the, of its intended product, then you know, the, it, don't jeopardize the brand. Be clean. Be efficient. Be precise. Be a professional. Be honest. Be the authority in your space. Go above and beyond. Um, one of my favorite quotes is there's no traffic on the extra mile. Do more. Use authoritative language. When you speak to a client, it's not, I think, maybe. It's yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I am well versed in this product. I will get you going, not I'm hoping to get you going. Take that opportunity to upsell your corporate value. That's a level of currency we talk about here. I don't mean upsell material. I mean make sure the client understands that our value is what matters and you upsell our value. And last but not least, when, you, when it's the repair part of the five R's of service, one of the big thing I noticed in my oil field career was, you know, we worked on uh, offshore oil and gas rigs, vessels, um, tow boats, barges, uh, drilling rigs, semi-submersible ships, gasoline tankers, uh, grain carriers, cranes, winches, you name it. And at any given time, you might have uh, eight to ten prime movers on that barge. You might have four winches. You might have four generators. You, have, you might have a dive compressor. You might have a couple of cranes. You got a hotel standby generator. Um, you know, you got pumps and, and, and cargo pumps and ballast pumps and just a, an array of prime mover engines on the barge doing different things. So you get dispatched out for the number one power gen source with an oil leak. You know, a pro is going to audit the entire site. So let's talk about that from a home service perspective. You know, you get called out because uh, the client may smell a gas leak. Well, the last thing we want to do is show up, sniff the gas line find the leak, repair the leak. Don't go into service with your with blinders on. You know, people want to take it as, oh, you only want me to upsell. No, I don't want to make a repeat trip to the client's house for right. something we could have caught when we were out there for X. So not just solving for X, solve for X, Y, and Z uh, when you make repairs. Yeah, go beyond yeah. that extra mile that you just said. Absolutely, no I think traffic a, on the extra mile, baby. I think that's a huge um, step is just making sure that you know, you're out there, the cover's off of the unit or, or whatever, mm -hmm. like check. Yeah. Check the wires, check the coils. I mean, if you're like a guy, yours. yeah. If it was your, if it was your unit that had a problem, what would you do? You check every, oh, every nook and cranny. So uh, yeah, that's absolutely. what we want our guys to do. And I think that's just, again. That's what our guys do. That is yeah. what our guys do. And we hold them accountable for that. So yeah. Um, but again, I think that goes to professionalism. I'm going to bring everything back to professionalism. Okay, if you haven't caught that yet. Be, be a pro. <laughs> that's, that's what happens to be a core value. So you hear that a lot. And then the fourth um, R of service. So we got respond, report, replace. We are at repair and then replace. Here's where I'm at on the replace. Obviously, if you got to replace units, whatever, you know, listen, man, there's tons of podcasts out there in the HVAC space, probably the most well-spoken, well-represented, well-represented industry out there in the world of podcasts and YouTube and videos and whatnot. So home service business, you know, guys, I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking to you. This is not me speaking from a guru, man. I got 20 uh, plus years of, of wrenches and calluses on these hands, so I've been there. 
But here's where I, where, I, where I fall in terms of replacing equipment. Do not compromise profitability or repair protocols if replacement is justified. If the right thing to do is to replace new equipment under warranty or the right thing to do is to replace failed equipment, all you do is diminish your corporate value if you sacrifice profitability and basic repair protocols just to get a replacement. It has to be justified. You have to be selling something of tangible value to a client. So when we replace, we are going to be expected to perform at the most elite level. Yes. And when you do a repair on somebody's equipment, they don't get to see the tricks of the trade that get you to solve for X. But when you do a replacement and the client is writing a bigger check, you better believe you're going to be called on to operate at a higher standard and you will have way more risk. And uh, So your reward has to match that. So treat the unit like you bought it. Become a client advocate. When you're doing a replacement, you have to become an advocate to the client. I'm not saying good cop, bad cop to the office, but that client has to know that Russell, John, Jane, whoever my service tech is that's in my house or in my yard, they are here for me. So when you begin to do that replacement, you remove that spirit of fear, that spirit of fence out of the customer by being an advocate. Become convicting. Plan a half day swap on a unit swap. You know, if we want to swap a unit, we want to try to do these things in a half day period. That can't always happen in every industry, but we want to be really, really efficient. Uh, we're going to be live, again, we're operating off a short leash with the client, so we want to be really efficient. Attempt to furnish, and if you're in a power gen space, if it's a long replacement, attempt to furnish furnish an outage plan. If you're going to remove a generator from a house during the middle of storm season and it's going to take you two weeks, what kind of options can you give the client to retain a backup plan? Um, you know, back to reporting, but taking copious notes, take copious photos, save, bag, and tag every component if it's warranty. Treat the job like you would be the warranty admin at the manufacturer receiving the failed goods to make a judgment. If I give you too much information, that just gives the warranty admin less time to make a decision, less reasons to deny it. So it right. goes back to being a professional. professional. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. When, when it comes down to working warranty, warranty claims, the more information you have, the more you can show, hey, look, this was a failed part, not because of abuse, not because of um, misinstallation or, or anything like that, that was a manufactured defect, the better you can show that, the more you report in the repair and you got them time to replace, the this just makes yeah. it an easier decision for them to say, hey, yeah, Amen. that's on us. Yeah, man. So, look, this is my favorite part. So we're in the five R's of service. We're training our technicians um, very soon on the, the extenuated. You know, we've talked about stuff like this before. Respond, report, repair, replace, and build rapport, but putting um, strategic, me strategic measures in place, adding our core values into this, is something that we're new to building now. So when we finish the five hours of service with rapport, we mean rapport with the client. Yes. Everything we do in our business, and I believe every repair and service company, whether it's an auto shop, paint and body shop, heavy big rig truck shop, diesel engine shop, electrical shop, you know, power gen, HVAC, whatever, everything that we do is based on the relationships. You know, it's, our business is, uh, is, is quantified in B2B or B2C, business to consumer 
or business to business, but you formulate a relationship with the client. So everything that we do is based on relationships. Sure, we would love all of those relationships to be contractually binding, but that's not the case. The con contract that we love here is that the client chooses us. So, um, we're a negotiated contract, not a proposed contract. So everything we do is based on relationships. Treat the client with the same sense of urgency and concern you would expect if you were bringing your vehicle or your home service uh, technician was coming into your home, especially if it's a warrantable failure or within a short period of time. Treat them with the same sense of urgency you would expect. Openly discuss and embody our GRIP core values. This is again to our employees, our core values of GRIP. We'll break that out here in a second. But um, we openly discuss that not only with our staff, but with our clients. When your clients know who you are and what you stand for, uh, a lot of times that and that alone, as long as you embody it, will kind of predetermine a response from an upset client. If they sure. know you value uh, certain values that they value and you wear it on your sleeve, then when you have a premature failure, maybe you get a little grace because you share in that way of operating with your client. Uh, it is, this is us speaking to a technician. It is your responsibility to grow the client relationship, respond with urgency, impact the client, and professionally care for the client and equip them for success with whatever product they have. That's our grip mindset. So we want to not only share our core values with our clients, with our employees and our team, but we want to share it with our clients as well because we feel that builds some professionalism give us an opportunity to receive grace when things don't always go as planned. Yeah, and let's just face it, things will not always go as planned. It's gonna happen, we have bad days, we have from manufacturing down to possibly what we've done, you know, office drops the ball, technicians drop the ball, manufacturing drops the ball, but we gotta be there to pick it up. And uh, like Travis says, getting back to the grip, man, the, the growth mindset, um, responding, which is part of the five R's of service, um, being a positive impact and breaking down to being professionalism and the rapport with the client matters because it, it, it's amazing um, just how a person that has a rapport with another person can step on the scene or pick up the phone and everything settles. All the dust settles. Because we see they this every day. Right. We see this every day. Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Uh, we built, uh, basically, when you buy... Um, a generator from us, from Gen Gators. Um, you receive, you know, we go into our CRM and our CRM guides you through the process. And so you'll get an email when uh, your unit has been selected from the shelf and the serial number is assigned. You've been introduced to your generator. Uh, we'll tell you when we apply for the permit. We'll give you a checklist of things to be preparing for on your end. We'll give you an estimated time when, the, uh, when we're gonna dispatch and set up your service when the concrete guy is gonna show up to pour the slab, maybe when the gas line guys arrive. So we're gonna walk you through every step of the process. Well, guess what? There's humans involved in that. So sometimes humans get in accidents or fall sick or hit a traffic jam and the things that were promised to them in writing don't always happen to come to fruition. What do you do in that regard? Every single time here, the fireman is the person who built the most rapport with the client. Absolutely. A thousand percent every Absolutely. single time is when things don't go right and a client uh, responds with a spirit of offense, the person that can put out that fire is whoever built the most rapport with the client. Absolutely. And that rapport will, will do amazing things. 
uh, I, I've seen on so many levels in different businesses and, and different situations where, um, you know, just the right person showing up, having a conversation with a client and everything is smooth. I mean, we, we talk about clients that are extremely upset using some choice words and then the right person shows up or the person that has that rapport and then everything settles down and I've even seen people call back and apologize. Hey, I didn't really mean to be that way. I was just upset. Hmm. And it's no problem. We, we understand. You have emotions. You have expectations. They weren't met. They were dropped. But that rapport um, gets it done. And it, and it calms the situation more often than not. And you keep that rapport with that, that uh, client. And, you know, you extend that lifelong value of that client. They, they continue to trust you and to you know, get extended services with you. And they they understand that, look, you're not doing it out of intent. That yeah. sometimes there's just things that happen and we're doing everything we can humanly possible to rectify that situation, make it right. And even in the rectification, if we want to go six hours, right? Rectify the situation, right? <laughs> that rapport starts to, that actually builds the rapport. Because sometimes people are like, hey, um, uh, we had a conversation earlier today where you talked about some quotes that went out and you were honest with the guy and said, hey, there's nothing wrong with that product. They're, that is a better, it's a fine product and a, a great quote. Mm-hmm. Here's where we defer, we differ from that and, yeah. and why there's some they difference. were cheaper. They, they were, were cheaper, cheaper than we were. Yeah. And uh, it was manufactured yeah. in, in, in short form. It's a uh, very, very small manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. And so the guy sends me a screenshot of his quote and says, make me understand why they're a couple thousand dollars uh, cheaper than you. And, you know, honestly, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that um, it's not low hanging fruit to bash a competitor. But at the end of the day, I got to be honest with people because I'm, that rapport is what's going to get the lifetime value or LTV out of a client. Right. And so the conversation went along the lines of, nah, man, they make a great product. But what I have here is readily developed, readily built, readily available. So if you have a problem with that equipment, when can you get parts if the manufacturer makes a handful of units per year versus getting material and service and warranty service on a piece of equipment that's mass produced, but very, very similar. I couldn't knock the product. I right. had nothing negative to say. They were less expensive and it was equally was great product. Good, good, good product, but why is mine better? It's about allocation. It's about allocation of resources. We believe that our service is better. We believe that our response is maniacal. We believe that we'll give you a product that we can not only stock parts for, but we can locate if we can't do it. So, But at the end of the day, that, yeah. that response, that honest response, helped build that rapport with that client. Absolutely. And there's no doubt that that client is coming with us. Amen. The Lord uh, 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 love and grace and truth. Right. So I want to give clients truth but I want to give it to them in a way that, you know, I appreciate your business and I appreciate you challenging me and asking you, asking me these questions. You know, if we don't get challenged on price and lead times and structure and value, you know, uh, you get caught up in these situations where everything's hunky-dory because you're dependent on a certain buyer's market. But, you know, I had a friend talk to me about it yesterday who's in the uh, online store space. And... Um, he explained that buyers are just, right now, buyers are exhausted, man. Buyers are just 
they're getting hammered over the head with ads. Sure. Uh, you know, they're getting beat up, up and down. Every time they open their social media, it's an ad. Every time they open YouTube, it's an ad. And look, hey, we're part of that crowd. We do our fair share of branding and advertising online. But, you know, what happened to providing an amazing service for a, a reputable value, reputable price, and then uh, for what we advertise is our brand. You know, um, man, please, I, I don't want to be a company who's constantly saying, buy me, buy me, buy me. I'm not begging you to buy. I want you to buy from me because of that rapport. Because right. we operate in areas of core values and five R's of service and making sure that building client rapport, even though that comes with some honesty sometimes, it might sting a little bit. We try to do it with grace. So uh, we're going to take a break and come back. And when we come back, we are going to dive into the wrap up of the episode on core values. And we use ours uh, at Gen Gators for an example on how to lead through core values and how to hire and fire through core values. So uh, thank you to our sponsors, Gen X Marketing, uh, Gen Gators Power Systems, and Bloom West Boutique. Thank you to our sponsors making the, making this possible. And we'll be back with more uh, Prime Mover Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Prime Mover Podcast. We'd just like to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors, Gen X Marketing and Management Group, Marketing and Management Systems for Rotating Equipment, and Marketing for the Power Industry. Gen Gator Power Systems, Residential Commercial Marine. Contact the Gen Gators for all your power generation needs. And Bloom West Boutique, an exclusive boutique offering quality fashion clothing with comfort and style. Thank you again to all our sponsors. Now let's get you back to the podcast. And we're back with more uh, Prime Movers podcast. We have talked to you about the five hours of service. I, I love speaking about this. That's very passionate to me. I've been a service technician my whole life. And uh, you know, this is what I'm about to talk about. Uh, how much time we got? We got some time? Yeah, okay. yeah. How long have we been on for? About 30 minutes. Oh, okay. We've been on about 30? On about 30. Okay, Give we good. take good. So good, let's spend a few minutes talking about core values. Um, this was foreign to me in terms of what I thought I needed to be an entrepreneur. Um, I'm reading a book right now, and in that book they were talking about um, 82% of businesses um, fail, startups fail, and, and the, the meat and potatoes of that is it's, it's typically money, it's typically financial stress. I believe that knowing who you are as a business and who you aren't as a business is the currency that will keep you alive when when the money side, when the financial side is uh, kicking your teeth in. Because that's happens. not fun. We want to talk about money. Yeah, well, I, I love <laughs> to talk about money, but you know the currency that that we're exchanging inside of our organizations now are core values. And so I wondered why you know there were so many people inside my organization. Um, I guess the most I've had at one time is about uh, sixty employees, and of those sixty employees. I've, I haven't had a great, I haven't had a high churn rate, you know, um, we've moved in and out of a couple of different industries and so it brought that brought a different type of employee in each time, but I've employed a few hundred people. I'm, I'm sure there's people out there listening who maybe employed a few thousand or a hundred thousand, who knows, but out of the couple hundred people I've employed in my 20 year career, uh, getting everyone to paddle in the same direction is not an easy task. No. You can you got some food service history. Yeah. How does it? How does? Let me ask you this question: When you're dealing with, we deal with um, high high salaried skilled labor in the industries that we're in right now. So if you're from the home service business or repair side, 
you're used to dealing with highly paid, trained, skilled labor. When you come from the restaurant or food services business in your career, how much harder is it to get people to paddle in the same direction that are on the lower spectrum of the pay scale? Uh, it, gets, it gets difficult. And the only way that it really works is having everybody have a mission statement, understanding your core values, and actually performing your SOPs. Yeah, and having a roadmap to where you're going. Yeah, because without it, man, it's very difficult um, being consistent. That would be one extra that's not part of, say, core values, is just consistency in your management, management styles. Um, that could be a whole nother podcast. But being consistent is part of those maintaining that core sure. value, right? You need to consistently maintain those core values and keep people in line. Uh, and what I mean by in line is not like fussing them or, or, or coming down on them, but you have to build it to where it's repeatable. It's Duplicable. easily understand. Yeah, they yeah. can easily understand. We all understand the goal and direction. And then you have to say it a thousand yeah. times a day. Yeah. People don't have to be, uh, people have to be told once reminded often. Yeah, we go there. Yeah. Told once, reminded consistently. Yeah, I agree. So we, when we developed um, core values, this is in the very, very, very beginning of the lifespan of Gen Gators. I started originally with eight core values, and uh, I decided to kind of to, to um, let, I wanted to make that digestible. So if you want to play a game with your core values, uh, know who you are as as the as the visionary or entrepreneur or leader or prime mover in the organization. To do prime mover in your organization, you gotta know who you are. You gotta know well, who you, in the wrong time. Uh, <laughs> you gotta know who you are, and you gotta know who you aren't. So, if you want to create core values that people can have fun with, that people can memorize, you know, you think that's not a big priority, but if they can memorize them and have fun with them, they'll put them to work. They'll put them to use. Sure. Not only in their business life, but in their personal life. So, you know what, it was something that I would say in tech meetings all the time, like, man, we gotta get a grip. We gotta get a grip on what's going on. I'm like, yes, we wanna be pros, like Steph Curry and Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, these guys are pros. They weren't made on game days. They were, they were made on the practice field. Absolutely. And so being a pro, uh, you gotta get a grip. And so I started saying that a lot, and I'm like, man, I wanna use grip uh, because my personal first core value is being growth mind. And so uh, when you have a growth mindset, you know, you are thinking about advancing in everything that you do. I don't want, to, I don't want that to get confused with uh, getting caught in the gap. Uh, it's very dangerous to get caught in the gap thinking of, man, all you can see is what you're not and the road you haven't traveled yet. Uh, but it's also, it's, it's also important to not get caught too far in the game. You know, you want to have a reality uh, of where you are as a business owner husband, father, wife, whatever suits your uh, situation. And you wanna know what you're not. And then one thing that I am is growth-minded and I found myself, uh, I, I, it's hard for me to even be around people who have a poverty mindset. So if I'm gonna be around and love on my family of choice and my employees, it's important to me that they have a growth mindset. Yeah, definitely. Um, one, of the, one of the things I kick around is, um, I stole this so I didn't hear this, but uh, Recently, I heard somebody say, you know, winners focus on winning, losers fo focus on winners. Mm. Meaning that, like, part of that growth mindset is not worried about what others are doing. You're looking about for your growth, ocean, baby. Your, your 
trophy, if you will. Yeah. And it, just because one guy's making a hundred million dollars doesn't mean that that's where you have to be. That's right. Right. Like, like what is what is the think of it more of becoming the person you want to be. Mm. Right. Like, this is my my achievement. This is the growth mindset. So I think it's it's not just financial growth is my point. Yeah. It's not just uh, professional growth in terms of where you are in a company, what, what level you are, can you get to the C-suite? It, it's also personal growth. Mm -hmm. Like, how can I grow as a person? Um, how can I grow as a father? How can I grow as a husband? How can I grow as just a good son or daughter? You that know? translates extremely well to the marketplace. Absolutely. I don't care where you fall on the totem pole in your business. Being a personally growth-minded individual translates well. Um, and here we are with another R. It's it's our first five R of service. Uh, the second letter of GRIP stands for uh, response. Man, we talked about that so much. I'll reread it. Be first. Be maniacal. Be intentional. Find the pain point. Process information at a rapid rate of speed. Instill a comforting message into the in the counterpart. If you want to talk about response as a friend or relationship outside of the customer service industry, how, what about if you have a friend that's going that's having a tough time? Uh, what if you are passing by and you see smoke coming from your neighbor's house? Uh, the way I'm wired, man, I'm a responder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, ask for permission. I'm gonna, I'll ask for forgiveness before permission. Like I'm going to get involved. If I see you struggling, I am going to respond. So that is who I am. And so it's easy for me to transition that to a core value of a company because it's going to be easy for me to live out a growth mindset and live out being a responder, that way I don't have to talk about it so much. I just have to become that. Yeah, so you sure. want to be about it, be about it. You know, you got to right. be it. You got to become that. And look, I want to just touch on this a little bit. Um, for those out there who are like, you know, I don't really have that growth mindset, but I want to have it. That's great. I'm not a great responder, but I want to be more responsive. Um, and I'm not saying you have to follow our core values. I'm yeah. just saying like, as you're sitting there saying what core values I want out of myself in life, what core values do I want out of my company? Yeah. If you're a young entrepreneur or just getting started or, hey, maybe you've just been struggling for 20, 30 years as an entrepreneur and you want to take it to the next level. Like, how do, what would you recommend or say like, hey, how do you take that step in living that out as opposed to just writing it on paper? Yeah, yeah, people, people want to see you live it, absolutely. Um, did you ask me a question? I kind of did. Okay, I'm one. I thought so. Yeah, the question was kind of like, how, what advice would you give somebody oh, yeah. who's who who wants to be responsive but is just naturally not, or or naturally not growth minded? Because some people think minded. they are and they want to be, but they're actually not when you when you measure it out. Man, do listen. There's some personalities tests. Um, I sent one to you last night. Uh, I yes. forget what it's called. It, uh, the results come out as monkey, lion, camel, turtle, and. Man, be, knowing who you are. So there's a one called 16personalities.com. I took it. Uh, there's a... Uh, yeah, where you fell on that one? I think I sent you that one, huh? The I think 16, so. Yeah. I came out as a... Uh, oh, man. That's gotta, one of my favorites, man. Yeah, I got That look, one's pretty insightful. In I got to look it up now, but I can't... individual... Uh, uh, it, was, it, was a it was so cool, and it was spot on for yeah, me. Yeah, that right? one's pretty good. So if you have the chance to look at that I wanna, one... I want to find it up. Find I'm not advocating they're not a sponsor, but if you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that's a pretty good oh, one. Oh, man, where's my... Uh, that's all right. 
We'll look at it. Yeah, we'll look at it. We'll come back to it. We'll talk about a couple of those assessments. There's a disc assessment. There's a Myers-Briggs. There's a few personality tests. So take whatever personality tests you can figure out about yourself. If you don't know who you are, you don't know who you aren't, start with that. Then it, it's okay to set core values that you want to obtain. So um, if I want my team to be have a group mindset and maybe they hit check every box except the growth mindset, then that is our first core value. Guess what happens if I go out and live it and I speak it and I embody it and I act it, then you can, one of my mentors, uh, Pastor Keith Kraft, Kraft, coaches on this, act your way into a feeling instead of feeling your way into an action. Yeah, I like that. Because if, if I want to be growth-minded, well, I got to act that way, right? I got to act. What is a growth-minded person? They don't walk into rooms uh, with a spirit of offense. They walk in to be a completer, not a competer. That's a growth mindset. So I'm going to act as though I am, and therefore I will become. Yeah. That's what I was fishing for, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I kind of want that. Because okay. I, I think I, I don't want people to hear us and say, oh, man, these guys are talking ethereal. Like, like we've had to walk that. Right, and, and we weren't always in a growth mindset. We didn't always present professionally. Got it, yeah, absolutely. You know, so it had to be purposeful steps, purposeful changes to walk Actionable, the walk. followable, duplicable. Right, so if you decide, hey, this needs to be one of my core values and I'm personally not there, then how do I change? What behaviors do I need to change? Um, right now, like you said, take the personality test, see who you are, and then identify like, hey, look, you know what? It, it, I'm a responder, but I sleep in late. Yeah. Well, you know what? Set your alarm early. Yeah, yeah. Put your alarm clock. I had to do that. I put my alarm clock in a different room. There you go. So you uh, get up and walk so across. I had to get up and shut it down. You know, so, and look, not that I wanted to sleep late, but there were some times when I got to a point in my career where there was not a big difference if I woke up at 4.30 versus 5.30 or 6.30. I could still get to the office, have a productive day getting up late, still getting the gym in. But you know what? I'm looking at it as... I like to make everything in my life a math problem. Yeah. So you can do that with core values as well. So uh, if I know that I want to be a more responsive person, I'm going to figure out who I am and who I'm not. And then I'm going to write my vision and make it plain. I believe the Bible actually says that. I'm going to figure out exactly where I want to go, what I'm trying to obtain when I get there. And so I just fill in the gap of who I am and who I'm not versus where I'm going and what I'm trying to achieve, and I reverse engineer the steps. So if you wanna create a core value of integrity, but you're a person who doesn't uh, manage integrity very well, then you're gonna to have to hold yourself accountable, find a partner who's gonna help hold you accountable, and then act your way into that feeling of being an integrous person. Uh, so yeah, the next one, it's I, about while we're on integrity, is impact. Yeah. Uh, so our growth, response, impact is our I. That to me is everything in the industry is what are we doing here? You know, like when, when we talk to our guys, I could ask that open question like, hey, what are we doing? When we talk about our team. What are we doing? Are we here just to provide a service? Are we here just to make sales? Are we here to change the game in our industry? And we believe a rising tide uh, raises all ships. So we want to be completely different of the competitions where we make such an amazing impact on the client. Uh, it's actually a sales tool. It's right. called retaining lifetime value right. by being so impactful. The client has no choice or no desire to do business elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, not, not to feather in my hat, but 
being knowledgeable about what you do and then showing that value, making that impact for that client in my sales career. I had clients that would say, you know, a competitor would walk in and they'd be like, nope, before they even get to the door, before they were able to talk, before they would leave a car, they would tell them, hey man, you can pack it up. We got yeah. Nick. Because it was the, again, not trying to like feather my cap, sure. but it was because I created such a value and an impact in their business Absolutely. that they were like, yeah, I don't, I don't need anybody else. This dude has been there for me. He, he has built that rapport. He has made a huge impact, a positive impact in my business, in my life or whatever. And they'll, they'll turn away your competitors. Without I believe anything. impact is a KPI or measurable of value. Sure. Does that make sense? Like how I'm, I'm visualizing that, I'm visualizing and explaining it is, how do you meter and measure if you've given a client value? If you create a substantial impact, impart a substantial impact on them, that is a key performance indicator that you're adding value in my opinion. So oh, it's yeah. a measurable, uh, it's the third letter of our core value acronym, and we wrap it up with how we started this whole conversation in the five R's. Professionalism. Professionalism. Man, look, I love sports analogies. Everybody who's been around me will tell you that I, I speak a lot on sports analogies because I believe that professional or college sports um, that are aired to the public uh, is the last form of what we deem reality TV out there. You know, hmm. it's typically typically unscripted well, even though I think sometimes the referees are, are, are betting wages or whatever tend to tip the scales Pete Rose. Um. <laughs> but you know hey uh, it's pr the proofs in the pudding when it comes to being a pro uh, think of every major sport out there that is in unquestionable uh, or that becomes arguable it is arguable that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player to ever live you have people that's going to name several other people: Will Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, LeBron James. You know, Ooh, Steph, Curry. Know LeBron James. <laughs> Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Don't even take my jacket off. Uh, so, th those people, it's arguable that they are the goat. Well, what is the one thing that is the glue that that holds those guys together? It's a, it's typically a maniacal work ethic. It's a sure. relentless pursuit of greatness. Um, and that comes from somewhere in their spirit. Yeah. Most of them, uh, it's probably a combination of a father wound or a naysayer or a mother wound or, or, or maybe even uh, like a, a father who is a maniacal leader and a maniacal striver and, the, and that kid or child or athlete just became what was modeled for them. Sure. But on the baseball level, on the football level, I don't think it's arguable that Tom Brady is the greatest football player to ever played. Based on the fruit, he's got seven rings. In my opinion, I believe that Aaron Rodgers is the, Rodgers is the greatest slinger of the football that I've ever seen. But it's hard to argue that Tom Brady is not the GOAT. Well, I'm going to argue that Drew Brees is the GOAT. And I'm going to yeah. tell you why I'm arguing that yeah, right here. And not that I'm going make a case for Drew Brees because hey, he what? has his career. Make back. a case for him, bro. We but uh, I listened to I listened to Jonathan Vilma on a. Um, he was if you don't know who that is, you're not big in sports. He was a Saints linebacker. Saints linebacker that played at the same time. Pro Bowl Drew. linebacker. Hall Pro of Bowl linebacker. Yeah, linebacker. yeah, exactly. Um, so this is a story that he told, and I'm just going to kind of repeat it, and you can probably find it online. But he was big into getting into the to the facility early, working out, studying, hitting the film before the coaching staff. This is Vilma, right? Vilma, Vilma. So, but he said every time he get there, Drew was always ahead of him. He was the only guy ahead of him. 
So Vilma said, you know what? He said, I'm going to go in at 4.30. He went in at 4.30. Drew came in about 4.35. Peeked in the room. Said, okay. Walked out. He said he never beat Drew to the facility <laughs> again, ever. Yeah, yeah. Never beat him again. Because it was just that, when you talk about that maniacal sense, it's the work ethic. It's like, I'm going to be the best because I'm going to put in the most amount of work. I'm going to work the hardest. And I think also work the smartest, right? Yeah. Like, cause sometimes I think we get busy and we'll confuse that with, yeah. with putting in work. No, no. It, it, that defines the, the pro side of it is when you become maniacal about striving for greatness or success or honing your craft, you get caught up in, you know, I, I just, I'm in a mastermind uh, with former uh, football champion Steve Weatherford. Uh, and, and we speak once a week. He became a great friend of mine, great resource, great sensei. Uh, very disciplined guy, uh, on fire for the Lord, great fisher of men. Uh, and we got some we got some high-level executives in that, uh, in that program with us. We have somebody who owns a uh, generational equity car dealership uh, that has over several hundred employees and does coaching and stuff. And, and, you know, part of what we discuss is how to maintain a maniacal level of success, a maniacal pursuit for greatness, but also still have the margin to be a high-level husband, a high-level parent, a high-level uh, friend, and a high-level family member. So it's not easy, but I can tell you that despite all of those gray areas, when you talk about the GOATs, when you talk about sports GOATs, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal, all of these people, Larry Bird, you are going to find Kobe Bryant. You're going to find Muhammad Ali, I'm going to keep on. You're going to find a maniacal sense of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You're going to Sorry find Williams. Absolutely, no. You're going to find um, an. Um, you're going to find amazing depth in self-awareness. You're going to find people who have an uncanny ability to process information at a rapid rate of speed. I don't mean digest it. I mean actually process it. So you think of something, you apply it, you change it, you make an adjustment. And you're gonna find people who are driven or motivated by something, either great love or great loss. One of the three things, when you, Elon Musk, maybe he's in the sport of business or, or uh, you know, name any, any tycoon, I guess you could say, they were gonna be driven by great loss or great triumph. They'll be able to process information at a re- remarkable rate of speed, and they'll be maniacal about seeking greatness and, and stress, uh, uh, seeking greatness, I'm sorry, and, and success. That, in my opinion, it was, is what makes them a professional. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm advocating for everybody to go put your family or anything on the back burner, but I am saying if you want to be a pro, go find a pro that yeah. you can admire, that you look up to, that has some similar core values, rob and deploy. You know, there's been many years where R&D stood for uh, research and development. We like to call it rob and deploy. There's a lot of people who who change the acronym around and what the letters mean, but hey, go find a pro, mimic them, copy them, rob and deploy their tactics. Success is found in templates. No one has to, uh, if if you're a believer, then you don't believe in being self-made. God put you here to fulfill a mission. Find somebody you can copy, create a template, figure out who you are, who you aren't, figure out where you're going and turn it into a math problem and core values will be your determinant discipline that'll help get you there. So that's our core values episode, I believe in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, we are proud to talk about those. 
Uh, give us a like, share, uh, drop some comments in the show notes if core values uh, mean something to you. Uh, if the five hours of service strike a chord with you or you want to add some flair to something that we've already done, man, we are we are people who just want to have conversations with people. Like if you're a Democrat, a Republican, Black, White, Hispanic, Latino, if you, it doesn't matter. We're not interested in uh, identity. We're interested in purpose and vision and mission. So, man, I hope this podcast, this podcast will make impact. I'm, I'm going to remove the, the spirit of hope and I'm going to say this podcast will make impact because people who think this way operate this way who are prime freaking movers or, or the fuel that push this country forward, the small business owner, entrepreneur, the entrepreneur, um, we see you prime movers and we're going to speak for you and speak with you. Amen. That's, that's another episode. That's episode two of Prime Mover Podcast. Episode three, we got some great guests coming up. Uh, we'll be shooting again next Friday. So happy new year. Uh, we missed the Christmas episode because we had technical difficulties, but this is our December 29th. This is the last full work day of 2023. Man, I tell you what, my goal for 2024 is going to be growing in my intentionality, being a slave and a steward of my time and calendar. And I think 24 is going to be an amazing year. Don't listen to the naysayers. Let's get out of the doom and gloom. Maybe it's a recession, but you can you can uh, you can choose to not participate. And at the Prime Mover Podcast, Gen X Marketing, and Gen Gators Power Systems, we're not going to participate tonight. So uh, check us out, PrimeMoverPodcast.com. Peace out.